He Hello and welcome to Our Changing World, Kōklak and Kanan Tēnei. I've got something a bit special for you this week. November marks the 75th anniversary of the rediscovery of the Takahe. Back in 1948, it was believed that this big blue flightless bird had gone extinct. But it hadn't. While she was recently passing through Otapoti, I got a chance to sit down with former Our Changing World producer and presenter, natural history book author, and absolute lover of birds, the one and only Alison Balance, to talk about her latest book, all about this big blue bird. Takahe, Bird of Dreams, has just come out. I'm very excited about it. It's a matching set with Kakapo, rescued from the brink of extinction. So we have two incredible flightless giant birds, which both of which we nearly lost and both of which we have dragged back from extinction. In fact, Takahe was declared extinct twice. And now it's doing just fine. Where does the title come from? Bird of Dreams was an expression from Dr Geoffrey Orbell, who was the person who famously led the rediscovery team in November 1948, which re-found the extinct Notornis, as it was known then, in the Murchison Mountains in Fiordland. And he had dreamed about this bird since he was 10 years old. And because he had seen it at Otago Museum, right? Yes, when he was, he'd seen a photo of a specimen, actually. His mum was a bit of a photographer. She had gone to Otago Museum. They had one of the four known specimens of Takahe mounted in the museum. And when he saw that picture and his mum explained to him about this extinct giant bird, he was both fascinated and appalled. And he was appalled at the idea of extinction and he couldn't believe it was extinct. And so he became quite obsessed with it. Is the book more science-leaning? Is it more history? Is it really focused on the conservation? Tell me a bit about it. It does a bit of everything. So I I wanted to tell people about the bird itself because the Takahe is a lovely bird. It's so, I think it's really dignified. So the bird itself is fascinating, the evolutionary story of how basically it was a pukeko-like bird that flew here and it got here and went, oh, I don't need to fly anymore, so I'll become a flightless giant and I'll just wander around eating tussock. And then the conservation story is fantastic and the history is great as well. So in fact, it's those three things wrapped together. And what was the most kind of challenging part for you? The most challenging part for me was just that there was a huge amount of information there. So this year marks the 75th anniversary of the rediscovery. Well, that's 75 years of papers and records and reports and people doing stuff out in the field. So it was wrestling a lot of material and trying to go, what was the important stuff? What was the really interesting stuff? How can I put all this together and an interesting read? And how long has it taken to put the book together? I mean... I guess that's a difficult question because you've been, you know, working in this space and following the Takahe fortune for a very long time. But for the actual book itself? On and off for probably five years. But I'd, I have not worked full time on it in that time. But it was interesting for me going back because I I have a very strong association with the Kākāpō recovery program as well. But actually I realised my association with Takahe went back further than that. So I first met a Takahe in the mid-1980s. And so that was halfway between the rediscovery and now. And you suddenly realise that actually that gives me quite a good perspective on the Takahe story. Mm. What was that first encounter? Well, the very first encounter was they had just hand, successfully hand-reared 
the first birds in Tianao, where they had got Takahe eggs out of the Murchison Mountains and had incubated them and hand-reared the chicks. And those chicks, alpine snow and tussock, were on display in the Tiano Wildlife Park. And I was working in Fiordal National Park. And you could, for the probably the first time outside of Pukaha Mount Bruce, which was the other place where they had had Takahe, you could wander down to the Tiano Wildlife Park, just like you still can today, and see these incredible creatures. And then I got an opportunity to go into the Murchison Mountains and help on a survey. And so I got to see Takahe in the wild, which is an amazing experience. Can you remember those first impressions? Can you remember that um, feeling or what you thought about the birds when you saw them? The thing that amazed me in the Murchison Mountains was you have this bird that at first glance looks ridiculously bright. It's blue, it's got a huge red bill and a frontal plate, it's got massive red legs, and you go, this thing is really conspicuous, and then you put it in the tussock in Fiordland, and you watch it disappear in front of your eyes. <laughs> so it just steps behind a tussock bush and it vanishes, and you go, how can something so conspicuous be so invisible? And then the other thing that struck me at the time was that huge thing of their dignity. Like you sit and watch a pair of takahe, and they're almost always in pairs because they like being in pairs. And they're very chatty and comfortable with each other, and they spend most of their time feeding, but they're just wandering along together, oomphing. Mm. So if you sit and listen to takahe, they're, mm, how are you? Mm. I'm doing very well, thank you. Mm. This is a lovely piece of grass. Mm. How's your piece of grass? <laughs> and they just... They're oblivious to everything else around them. And you go, this is a bird this is, that has been doing this for probably two, two and a half million years. And I can sit and watch it, and that's incredible. In November 2018, Alison made an episode for Our Changing World all about the 70th anniversary celebrations of the rediscovery of the Takahe. In it, she tagged along on a Takahe release into the Murchison Mountains and spoke to Doc Takahe Ranger Glenn Greaves. At the time, Glenn said bird numbers were between 370 and 380, and earlier that year they had released birds into a new site in Kahurangi National Park. But a beach mass year was due, a year when the beech trees all seed together, and as a result of the abundance of food, predator numbers tend to explode. I asked Alison, in the five years since, what's happened in the world of Takahe conservation? They've made lots more takahe, <laughs> and most of those birds have actually gone back into the Murchison Mountains because they had a series of years where the, that population was dropping down, so they boosted, they filled it to the max, they boosted that population as much as they can. The kaharangi birds, wah, the jury's a bit out on whether the Hefe Track, Goulin Downs area is a good place for takahe. So there were a couple of chicks produced in the first year, then if people remember we had a mega mast, a really big beach masting season. Uh, they lost uh, two or three takahe to predators. They had an unfortunate incident around the 1080 drop where birds wandered out of the exclusion zone and ate 1080 pellets and died. And then birds just started dying. They they were seemed very underweight. They, they don't seem to be thriving. There were no more successful nests. There was a flood which took out a number of nests. So that 30 birds that they'd put into Kaharangi got down to 15. They've topped that up again. They have just had a successful breeding season again. They have a couple of chicks produced, but the jury's out. So they don't know whether long-term, whether 
they will leave the birds there. But at the moment, they still don't have another place to move them to. They need big predator-free areas, basically. That's what I was just about to ask. What is Takahe country? So obviously tusuk because that's what they eat, but they also need a large area and very little stoats. Is it stoats in particular or is it all predators? Well, in the Murchison Mountains, it's stoats that are the big problem. They are looking at areas such as the Greenstone Valley at the head of Lake Wakatipu, uh, the Reese Valley as well. There are cats and ferrets there, so they're trying to get those numbers right down because they imagine that those will be a problem as well. And they don't just need tussock. Tussock is good, but you need good tussock. So kahorangi is red tussock. It's probably just not quite good enough. Pasture grass is fine. So a mixture of tussock and grass, like in the Greenstone Valley, would probably be really good for them. And numbers-wise, what are they up to now? Well, at the moment, the population officially stands at 475, and Takahe are a bit like racehorses, so they have one birthday a year. They don't count them until the first winter's passed. So on the 1st of October this year, the population will pass 500. I don't know exactly what it will be. Doc doesn't know exactly what it will be yet, but um, it will reach 500. Now, that's amazing. Mm, yeah, <laughs> that does sound pretty special, but... Again, I guess it's going to impound their problem of of where to put them. Predator-free New Zealand, bring it on. (laughs) And so future for Takahe, I mean, are there any challenges that they might come up against that, say, the kākāpō have faced, you know, like genetic bottlenecks or diseases? Or does it seem to be that they're actually doing pretty good? They're actually doing really well on that front. Their genetics seem to be in pretty good shape. Glenn Greaves keeps a close eye on that. They haven't been through a bottleneck the way Kākāpō and Black Robin have, which is surprising, but there's some good genetic diversity out there. It would be good to find out whether there's still some extra diversity in the Murchison Mountain birds that they haven't got represented in the in the captive population that they know of. So they have a big pedigree that they work on. They've done genomic work. They haven't had any major disease issues. With climate change, you never know what's going to happen on that front in terms of any of our species, when you think of hoi-haw, yellow-eyed penguin in Dunedin, which is, the population is crashing at the moment. So nothing is off the table, but there's no big red flags at the moment. Well, that's good news and plenty of birds. So I guess the future is all about finding different places to put them. And hopefully, you know, they'll keep expanding and we'll have more takae more experiences like you had where you can go into the mountains and see them that would be amazing it would be lovely to have more wild opportunities for people at the moment there are plenty of opportunities you can go to Tiritiri Matangi in Auckland you can go to Orokanui in Dunedin and that's amazing but it would be nice for people to be able to go tramping in the mountains and just come across a takahe that is a wild bird and you could have your own Orbel moment A massive thanks to Alison Balance for taking the time to come chat with me. This was produced by me, Claire Kincannon, with help from Ellen Rikers, and sound engineering was by Phil Bench. Visit our website, rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld, to listen to that episode from 2018, to join our monthly newsletter, and to explore other past episodes. Te nākwe i mai. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great week. Kia pai, pū wiki.